Welcome to The Future Belongs to Creators. I'm your host, Barrett Brooks. I'm the COO at ConvertKit. My co-host is our CEO, Nathan Barry. We're on a mission to help creators earn a living, and this is a show about turning anxious energy into creative output during times of uncertainty. It's casual Q&A Friday. I'm Barrett. This is Nathan. It's The Future Belongs to Creators, episode 45. Nathan, how you doing? I am good today. Or as we, you know, use it in our own lingo and all of that. I'm green. I'm definitely green. Um, you know, Fridays have a new rhythm to them. Not only are they casual Q&A Friday, which, uh, you know, there's no college shirt today. There's just just a, a good old ConvertKit t-shirt. Um, side note, if you want one of these, sign up for ConvertKit account, go through the whole onboarding steps and we'll send you one um, because, you know, we, we like to send out swag. Um, but the new rhythm is a creator session. And uh, we just just finished this other one with Sam Getz. Same, same vibe as last week where I sat in my living room eating some lunch, had a personal concert up on my TV, it was just super cool. I don't think I'll ever be, come out of those. I don't think there will ever be a Friday of this show now going forward where I'm like, oh, I'm yellow. I think it'll just always put me in green. So anyway, that's how I am. How about you, Barrett? I am. I'm green, man. I have, I have been on fire this week. I've been working a lot, but getting a lot done. Uh, I was talking to um, my coach who you all have now met, Andy, uh, yesterday for my uh, every other week coaching session, he was just saying like, wow, past week has been productive for you. And it was nice to just take a minute and um, and recognize that and realize that, oh, wow, yeah, I guess I have done a lot this week because um, normally I might not give myself that credit. Um, so it feels good heading into Friday. Got one more big task to get done today. We're hiring a new person onto uh, what will be my team, I guess, Um and so I got to get that posted, but otherwise I'm looking forward to a, a restful weekend. We've got rain just like for days coming. So there's not a lot to do over here. Yeah. Uh, we've had rain the last few days. We were supposed to have, uh, August, my, well now six-year-old, he was five. Today is six. <laughs> we were supposed to have his birthday party outside and, and party is just like basically his grandparents coming over and, uh, one of his uncles, um, that was supposed to be outside yesterday, but it poured rain, mm. you know, the whole day. We still had a great time um, and it cleared up right at the end so we could play some hide and seek outdoors, which he was very excited about. Um, side note, the recycling bin, fantastic hiding place if you're ever looking for an outdoor hide and seek. Because it's it's like the trash can, right? It's big, fits a, an adult-sized human in there, uh-huh. but it's clean because it just has like cardboard boxes and stuff in there. So anyway, little Life pro hack. tip. <laughs> Parent hack. <laughs> These are the things that you get by listening to The Future Belongs to Creators. That's Tune right. Every weekday. Um, okay. Well, if you're live, you know what day it is. You know what time it is. Hey, uh, it's casual Q&A Friday, which means if you're listening live, your questions bump straight to the top of the list. The only people who get their questions answered before live question askers in the chat are people who are listening live, but asked ahead of time. So that's the ultimate, make sure you get your question answered. Um, So anyways, drop them in the chat. Let us know what you want to know from us. Ask us anything. It doesn't even have to be business related. And you will find that out from our first question from your friend, Casey Ames. Casey, (laughs) as a little bit of a smart aleck on Twitter said, do you own more sneakers than Nathan owns animals? 
Ooh. And it was close. Actually, we don't. We haven't done the counting we yet. Done the official count. Okay, let me think. So there's eleven goats. Well, actually, hold on, hold on. No, this is gonna tip. I know. Well, I don't know. There's a lot. I'm just realizing there's a lot of animals. It's got to be forty animals, because right there's all these. You know, there's all the chickens, all the baby chicks, the ducks, the geese. Which go pro tip. Another pro tip. You can buy geese, guard geese, to guard your chickens from the foxes. And they will actually fight off the foxes. It's fascinating. Um, huh. Anyway, so there's a lot. Barrett, do you have over, say, 45 pairs of sneakers? No. And the sneakers part really. Shoes. Shoes <laughs> were close. <laughs> sneakers, though, I think I have in the neighborhood of 20 pairs. It, okay. It got a little out of hand there for a while. And I kind of dialed it back. However, oh, actually, I shouldn't talk about that yet. I'll tell you a story sometime about a thing that we're doing at work and a thing that I'm going to do related to the thing at work that relates to sneakers. But right now, I'm not going to tell you about it. Um, How, how's this, that for a cliffhanger? If this is the thing that I think you're talking about, then you'll talk about it maybe early July. Something like that. Okay. <laughs> I, I think I know what's going on, but I'm not sure that I know what's going on. So I'm just going to like smile and nod. And with that, roll into the next question. <laughs> yes. Great. Great. Uh, which is from our friend, Kaylin Huntress, uh, who we know from the World Domination uh, Summit community um, yeah. back in Portland. Uh, he says, what's the biggest misconception that creators have about what it takes to earn a living? What do you think, Barrett? I will sound like a broken record on this because I'll say it every time I get the chance to talk about it. And that is that I think most amateurs, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way, I mean people just getting started, underestimate how long it takes to get good at something. And my observation is that before you can be original, you have to be good. And before you can be good, you have to be bad. And before you can be bad, you have to start. And most people think they can just start and go straight to being original, which I think is really what makes you an, an iconic creator, you know, and not mm -hmm. that everyone's trying to be iconic. I don't mean it that way, but, um, to do really great creative work that resonates with people, I think you have to have some element of originality. You have to be able to resonate with people in a way they haven't experienced before. And to do that, it's going to take years, you know, not months, not days. It's going to take years. Yeah. And I think a lot of people underestimate how long that process really takes. Yeah. And I just add to that, that I think, um, a lot of people see the journey, right. That somebody's going on and then they see that moment that that blog was launched or that somebody like came above the surface. If you think of a water level, right, you can't see anything. And then the moment they come above the surface, you think that's when their journey started. And so they're like, that's when they had their, you know, started getting their email subscribers. So that's whatever else. And you're like, Oh man, it only took that person uh, a year to go from, you know, nothing to 10,000 email subscribers. I, I can't keep up with that. And, you know, so often you're not seeing the five years or the 10 years that went before that, before they actually surfaced onto your radar. So I totally agree. Um, yeah, that's the short version. Let's see. Emily asked a question for each of us. How many hours per week would we say that we consume media personal plus professional? So podcasts, reading blogs, TV shows, books, et cetera. I don't know. What, what do you, what do you got here? I'm going to have to think about this for a second. Maybe two hours a day total between books, content, all of that. I'm trying to think probably an hour. It's never really more than an hour of like movie or TV time or, or that kind of thing. 
it's actually even noticeable, right? When you're watching a show where each episode is an hour versus each episode is 40 minutes. And I'm like, oh, that was a 30% increase in, in uh, daily TV time. Yeah. Um, and then maybe a movie on the weekends. But so I'd say, you know, 15 hours a week or so, because it's probably two hours a day on average. On a weekend, I might do six hours of an audiobook if I've got yard work and projects and that kind of thing. Um, I'd really like to get a uh, nightly reading habit going. It's not there right now. I currently have um, Ryan Holiday's uh, Stillness is the Key on my bedside table. And I've picked up a couple, you know, it's like out of the last seven days, I've read it three nights and I'm trying to trying to pick that up because I'd like it to be, you know, uh, a, an every night activity. Mm-hmm. What about you? I'm probably in the like 20 to 25 hour range. And, you know, some of that is multitasking, especially mm-hmm. with podcasts and audio books when I'm doing yard work or dishes or, or even if I'm just like going on a walk with the baby, sometimes I'll, I'll listen while I'm doing that. Uh, so I kind of double up there. So I have more kind of passive time just like that. And then there's a smaller amount of really intentional consumption that's like sitting down and reading, you know, a research paper or uh, a, a book that I'm really getting into. Like I'm in the middle of Maria Popova's figuring right now, which is a really, really high quality book, but it's also very, you know, it's dense, it's information dense. And so that takes some serious concentration. I tend to listen to books that have been suggested to me, but I'm not sure if they're actually worth my time. Um, I really like having common language that comes from reading the same books as people in in my life, especially people on our leadership team. And so a lot of times I'm not sure if the book's particularly relevant to me, but I want to make sure I have the common language. I'll listen to it. Um, and then if I find it to be incredibly valuable, I'll go back and I'll, I'll order the, the physical copy and read it. But then for books that like I am prioritizing, I buy the physical copy, I take notes. Um, I've started using uh, Maria Popova and Tim Ferriss' system of creating my own table of contents uh, from my highlights. And that has been really powerful for like pulling out my learnings as I go. Uh, and I've really enjoyed that. Yeah, that, that's interesting. I, I go for audiobooks on pretty much everything, but then I come across books where they're, they're like two dents where I keep going. I'm like, what even are these terms? Um, and I think anti-fragile is one of those where, you know, it, the book is written in like a playful, lighthearted way. He makes lots of jokes. He disses on lots of economists, um, Nobel prize winners, all of that. I think he'd be a little bit obnoxious to hang out with in real life. Uh, he being to lead the author, but he has all these words that I'm like, what even, what even is that? Right. You know? And so then I, when I'm doing things, I don't stop and look it up, but then he uses it 10 more times. And I'm like, this would make way more sense if I had just stopped right then, or if I could even just see the word written out. Um, and that would, I think make a big difference. So, um, I got the special edition of figuring. This is uh, one of the books I've been taking the table of contents in, but for those of you watching, I'll give you kind of a quick overview of what I do here. Uh, this is just straight out of the book of, of Tim Ferriss and Maria Popova, how they take notes. So it's not surprising. But um, over here is my table of contents. So this lists a page number and then a short phrase or topic for a highlight that I've got throughout the book. And then over here, I've got a couple of things. One is a reading list. So most books list books that they read uh, as a part of, or, or they reference books that went into writing it. So I've got a reading list here of every book mentioned. And then over here, I've actually got a dictionary and it's new words I found in the book. 
And so on the page where I found the word, I actually look it up and write the definition at the bottom as a way of trying to retain it. And then I list the word up here just to show like how I'm increasing my vocabulary as I go. And so this gives me like a reference guide to what I found throughout the book. Um, and I'm finding it to be a really powerful way for retention, but also reference. I really love referencing books. And a lot of times when I'm writing a, a post or I'm on a podcast and I want to, or even a team meeting and I want to grab uh, a quote from a book that I've read in my mind, I can picture which side of the book it's on, like which page and then the position on the page, but I'm not sure where in the book it is. And so I end up flipping through to find the location that I'm imagining. And so this is going to give me a really interesting way to reference back. And I'll be intrigued to see if it helps me with both retention and reference in my, in my other work. That's interesting of writing down the new words that you come across. And, you know, Oliver and I are reading Harry Potter together right now. And even in that, which I've read the books, you know, all the way through maybe twice um, now. So this is probably my third time. Um, yeah, like I come across words, like maybe it's a very British word or something. I'm like, I don't actually even know what that means. And so we've gotten in the good habit of when I don't know a word, looking it up. Um, I was thinking about in uh, anti-fragile words like iatrogenics, where I was like, I don't know what that is, you know? So I love your example of writing down those new words because then it'd even be fun, right? Later on, you have them in your vocabulary, you're using them in your own writing and you pull that up and you're like, oh, that's where I learned that word, yep. you know? And it's it's specific to that. Um, on the note-taking, this is something, okay, if I look at uh, great authors that I really respect, maybe even like really current ones, say like Stephen Pressfield, Ryan Holiday, uh, Maria Popova, people like that, they have incredible note-taking habits and systems, right? You would think like, oh, they're just incredible. Uh, you know, maybe they remember every story that's ever been told to them. They're like, oh, let me just give you the perfect one right here. But if you spend any time with them, you realize that no, they're just incredible, like not even incredible. That, that makes it sound too fancy. They're just disciplined note takers. Yeah. They have a system. Yeah. So I know Ryan Holiday has his note card system and uh, I've actually, you know, one time when I went to visit him, that makes it sound like I've gone to visit his house a lot of times, you know, but he showed me those exact things based on the system, where the stories were, how they're categorized, how there's one for each book. And that's something that I just haven't gotten going. Everyone is talking about room research and using that for logging your stories and notes, but I haven't got that habit going yet. What have you, I mean, you're, you're doing this with books written in the book itself. I'm, I'm such an anti new tool person, not because I, I don't believe in tools, but I actually believe the biggest problem we have with tools is that we don't use them properly. Yeah. It's not that there's not the right tool available. And so every time I see the tech crowd being like, Oh my God, this new tool is changing my life. It's like, okay, that's fine. I'm going to keep using pen and paper and you let me know how it goes for you three years from now. Anyways, there's my curmudgeon thing for the day. Uh, so here's what I've started doing. I'm doing highlights. We've had a little bit more of a challenge since the whole COVID thing, but I do highlights in my book and I'm improving my note-taking system in the book. The other thing Tim Ferriss does is he goes back to his notes a week later and circles the ones that still stand out to him. And okay. then he goes back 30 days later and like triangles the ones that still stick out to him. Hmm. And then that's what he logs as his research. Okay. So I find that really interesting. I'm going to try that. But so my assistant- I'm like well, go ahead. picturing this really quick. So- I'm imagining it's sort of like a Kanban board of books that you've read, basically, where it's like, this is the to read pile. It's sitting over there. And then the what you finished. And then the 30 days later, or the week later, and then 30 days later. So you would just pick something up off the pile and move it along. Because it doesn't matter if it's seven or 10 days later. It's like, exactly. 
Yeah. It, you're really just refining. Cause when you're reading it, everything seems amazing because it's all new. <laughs> yeah. And so then you're really trying to get to like, my challenge is I end up with too many notes. So I'm trying to get to a more refined version of that. And then what I'm doing is I'm handing the book to my assistant and she goes and types those into a notion database where she's got page author, um, any like she hyperlinks to any books that it references and then topic. So she's going to take my labels from my table of contents and label them with topics. So let's say I'm going to go write about originality or right. something like that. Now I can pull those up. I think what I'm going to do is, you know, in my head, I'm eternally going to write a book. When I go to actually have big writing projects like that, I'll take the digital and I'll make the physical version that Ryan Holiday and Robert Green use, where I'll actually write out the notes in the topics that I want to use. Because I think the process of writing those notes, it's not about having them physically. It's the process of writing them that will help me consolidate all of it so that I'm ready to use it uh, and then have the physical references where you can kind of order them and everything. That makes sense. So more of a, so part of its repetition, right? Of going through it again, but also you're getting that mind-body connection, you know, of, of uh, having rewritten them physically. Okay, next questions. Um, Nathan... This is from uh, Ravin or Ravine. Uh, Nathan, you once said in an interview that going for therapy has made you a better leader. Could you elaborate on that? Oh boy, could we both elaborate <laughs> on that? <laughs> okay, well, this is a four-hour episode, so uh, buckle up. Um, okay, so I've been going to therapy, I think, uh, at least once a month, uh, with the exception of right now, where I haven't switched to calls like I've noticed that, uh, so both Hillary and I have been uh, doing therapy. She switched to calls. I was like, look, I do enough video calls or audio calls. Like <laughs> I'm either going to be in person or nothing. Um, and I also have coaching now as well. Uh, but for about four or five years now, it's been so important for digging into why I do what I do, why my reactions are a certain way. Why when Barrett says something, sometimes I'm like, yeah, that's great. And why when I'm like, oh no, you have just pissed me off, you know? Cause it, it like, to an outsider, probably to Barrett, sometimes you're like, what is this pattern? Like, I cannot find the pattern when, you know, I propose an idea to Nathan and, and sometimes he's like, that's great, let's go for it. And then another idea, he's like, all of a sudden upset about it. That makes me sound like I'm bipolar or something. Um, clinically, I'm not. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's just digging into, digging into your past, your history, why you do what you do, um, uh, then giving you tools to handle it. So I'm a huge fan of, of therapy, as you all have now met Dan and Andy, we've hired coaches that though they focus on business and leadership, they really take like a counseling therapy approach to it much more than you would find from a standard business coach because they're trying to get into those things of what your drivers are and why you react in a certain way. I think to tie it specifically into leadership, there's just so many times that you show up to a conversation a certain way and it has nothing to do with the conversation that's in front of you or how your team member, how they propose their idea or what's going on in the business. And it has everything to do with something that's like a core part of you. And if you don't take the time to dig into that, then you're going to often show up in a way that is either not your best self or something that you're going to regret later. And therapy is so important for helping you dig in. What would you add? Um, I think the biggest thing I would add is we all have what a therapist would refer to as trauma that we experienced throughout our life. Mm -hmm. uh, it feels like a strong word in the same way that Wednesday's episode grief might've felt like, felt like a strong word. But I think a lot of the work in these situations is to get comfortable with those terms. 
and understand what that means in the context of your life. And what I found was that the decade of my twenties was very much unpacking those like micro traumas and full traumas and having a qualified person there to help you through that, help you process how you became who you are, what your drivers are, how you're motivated, why you have triggers and all of that. Mm -hmm. It gives you this tool set for the rest of your life and you still have to maintain it, which is why you can never stop going, right? Um, in my opinion. But the most special thing is when you go with your partner and they are there to process with you and process their own stuff because our closest relationships is where our biggest baggage shows up most often. Yep. And it's the people who least deserve it sometimes too, because they love us the most, you know? And so a lot of this, you and I have done joint coaching. We've each done joint therapy with mm -hmm. our spouses. And that's because those relationships are the ones that have to work the most. And so anyways, I found it just a really powerful way to build a tool set that I think is going to last me a very long time in my life. Uh, because those emotional tools and understanding your triggers just never go away. And you're never going to, you're never not going to have triggers. You just learn how to cope with them, how to respond to them better over time. Yep, for sure. And, and just to recognize them as you're like, oh, I'm feeling this because of this. And it has nothing to do with you, but I'm still going to name it and express it. And it's like, oh, well, thanks for naming that. And then having these other tools where you're like, wow, what you just said is making me red. And I think it's because of this other thing. And that's so much health, more healthy than me, like just responding. Um, yeah, for sure. Next question from Noah. Yeah, let's answer his second one first, and then we'll wrap up the episode with his first one. So the second one is, are we going to do the about page critiques that we talked about last week? I think. Yeah. I, I actually haven't heard. Have we gotten any about pages submitted, Nathan? I think we've got one. I was okay. really looking for like four or five. So if you'd like us to do that, submit some Nathan at Converka.com subject line about page critique. We and could totally pull your about pages. We just don't want to subject you to it if you don't want to be subjected to it. So yeah, uh, if you're into Noah, that, Emily, Ravine, Pierre, we're just running through. That wouldn't be kind. No, <laughs> so, that would not. Email us. Uh, we're happy to do it. Okay. Uh, the first question is, who in your lives have been your biggest supporters personally and professionally? Well, not to be all sentimental, but I would say that we've been each, some of each other's biggest supporters, yeah. uh, even before we worked together. And, um, so that would be one of my answers. You would be one of them. We've got this great group of close friends. Uh, I will admit openly, it's a quite homogenous group. And so, you know, that is there and I'm never quite sure where to place that. But aside from that, I mean, this group of guys that we go on trips with, we joked that I, we had a baby moon that we went on together for me before, <laughs> before I had my kid and, um, just, oh, incredible to name them, uh, James clear, uh, John Schultz, who's part of the duo at minimalist, minimalist Baker, Matthew Marshall, who's one of the founders of, of new story charity, Baron Quadro, who is the founder of effortless gent. Oh God. I'm blanking on who else was there. <laughs> uh, Ryan Delk. Oh, Ryan Delk, of course, who's on our board and is a, a really close friend of ours. He planned Justin, the whole thing. Justin Levine came to join us as well. Mm -hmm. There's plenty of other people that we bring in at different times. It's a really yeah. solid crew. So, yeah. So having that like group of peers who I respect and we've kind of grown up together in a mm -hmm. way has been really important. And then, you know, I mean, I don't want to give like the trite answer, but I mean, my wife, I chose her as my partner for life because... Uh, she can hang in there. You know, she's been a trooper through all of my entrepreneurial ventures and kind of been there with me for the ups and the downs. And we have grown up together. We, we mm -hmm. met back in college 
And I, I mean, just the way our lives have changed and the time since has been yeah. pretty remarkable. So, I mean, she's been the biggest supporter and she kind of gives me that basis of love and belonging that we talked about the other day that gives me the ability to go out and do some of the other stuff that I do. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'd echo that so much as far as like Hillary being my biggest supporter, you know, even going back to the decision to go all in on ConvertKit, she was just like, hundred percent, let's do it. And I was like, wait, what? I thought I was going to like, we were going to have this whole conversation as I was going to like talk through it, try to convince you, try to convince myself at the same time. And instead she just shortcut it, shortcut the whole conversation was like, sounds like we should really give it a shot at a time when the numbers and everything else didn't point to that as a logical conclusion. Um, so I'd say that will definitely echo, you know, you bear it. Um, what you said about us having a relationship. I still know the first time I went to visit New York city, I had a whole bunch of meetings. It was early days convert. I think we were like six to 8,000 in MRR, like really trying to figure out where this is going to go. Um, it was a year before you joined the team full time. And I distinctly remember where I was after I called you after a series of meetings. I was like, I don't know what to do. And, uh, you know, I was, I had just gone to the world trade center memorial. I was walking from there and I, you know, I can even picture like the curb that I was sitting on, like talking to you on the phone. And so, yeah, we've, we've always been that for each other. Um, and that's really good. There's maybe a couple other people that play a smaller role, like on an ongoing basis, but have played it at really pivotal times. And so there's three people that come to mind in particular that some of this crew might recognize. And they are Andrew Warner from Mixergy. I guess I've told this story on Mixergy, but there was a time that I went to uh, a little meetup in San Francisco that Andrew was hosting, just a, a scotch night at his office. So there was like maybe eight or 10 entrepreneurs there. And we hung out, had a great time. And afterwards, Andrew pulled me aside and he's like, hey man, you seem really stressed. And I was like, because we talked about ConvertKit was basically being out of money. We were growing quickly, but we're totally out of money. And, uh, you know, and so I, I shared a little more detail and he was like, okay, um, tomorrow you're going to spend your bank info and I'm going to wire you $25,000. The only rule with this, or there's two rules. One, when you don't need the money anymore, just return it. Two, if you ever try to pay me interest, I'm going to be pissed. And I never actually touched that money. It got wired into the account. It sat there as a safety net. I never ended up needing to spend it. I got so close, but didn't need to spend it. And then I think eight months later, I wired it back. And like, this just wild to have. I mean, I feel like I know Andrew pretty well, but you know, all together, I don't know, <laughs> maybe we'd actually spent 15 hours together in person or 10 hours together in person at that point. Um, so people like that, uh, Laura Roder has done that. Uh, not that exactly, but been a great friend at different times. Um, and, um, uh, Heaton Shaw as well. So those mm -hmm. are people, you know, that's the kind of thing that in that entrepreneurial journey, like if you can be that person to provide direct, clear advice at a time that it's really needed or to come in and provide support, like that's just magical. And I want to be able to do that for more people. Yep. Boop, ba -do, 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 do, 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 creator of the day. Uh, were you pretty happy that, that Issa worked in a little, uh, yes, I was going to be so upset <laughs> if we went another episode without me here and no one tried it. Oh, <laughs> uh, she, you know, I had to go for a Hamilton theme. It was, it was right on point. Um, okay. My creator of the day, uh, is my good friend, Catherine, uh, Catherine Lavery. She runs, well, she's got a few things going on, uh, but she runs a company called best self. 
She also has a blog and YouTube channel at littlemite.com. Uh, and so you can check her out. So she's launched an amazing uh, journal called the Best Self Journal. She's spoken at Craft and Commerce. And uh, she's just a fantastic entrepreneur and uh, telling stories, building companies. And she has this background in architecture and design. So everything that she does looks really good. So check her out, Catherine Lavery on Twitter and littlemite.com for her blog. Love it. My creator of the day is someone I mentioned a little bit earlier. Um, I have actually not read his work in quite some time, but Robert Greene, his writing style especially had a big influence on me for years just because I was really intrigued by the way he was able to pull a lot of different perspectives together. And it's by no means academic and he doesn't claim to be, but it is very research-based. And I've always been, uh, I'd call it more like historical almost than academic. He pulls in a lot of examples from um, long periods of time and makes very compelling arguments for what he believes to be true about the world. You know, his site is powerseductionandwar.com. So you can kind of get the the vibe that I guess he's giving. He's, he takes a very specific approach. But if I were only going to read one of his books, it is the one that is in my stack of like books I would read every year if I were just going to reread the same five books is Mastery. His book on Mastery is one of the greatest illustrations of the thing I talked about earlier, that people underestimate how long it takes to get good. And it's not only uh, illustrative, it's also motivating. It was one of those books that made me want to be very good at what I do every day. So anyways, that's my both creator of the day, Robert Greene, um, and my resource of the day, his book, Mastery. The other thing I would say is go look up, I believe Ryan Holiday's written a post on the note-taking system that he learned from Robert Greene. If you are into reading and you like referencing your what you learn in your writing or your podcasting or YouTubing or whatever, it is well worth the read to go find that article. And we'll probably drop it in the show notes as well now that I've said it out loud. Yeah, we'll, we'll dig it up. All right, that's a good place to end. Barrett, I think that the, uh, the note-taking pitch uh, works well as a, as a thought of the day and a little call to action. So we'll wrap it up there. Thanks for hanging out, everyone. We'll see you back here on Monday. See ya. Thanks for listening to The Future Belongs to Creators. We're the makers of ConvertKit, where we're on a mission to help creators earn a living by building software that helps you build an audience of loyal fans. ConvertKit is the best way to launch or grow your next creative project. To start building your audience with a landing page and to send emails up to 500 subscribers for free, go to landingpage.new. That's landingpage.new to get started with the free ConvertKit account today. We'll see you next time.